Welcome to Eternity Now. I'm Senior Pastor and Evangelist Kyle Huckins. We're a U.S.-based church and evangelism movement reaching every color and culture for Christ. Our podcasts, videos, doctrine, history, and much more are on our website, eternitynow.com. E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. This broadcast is made possible by your tax-deductible giving. Go to our website and click Support Us to see how you can help bring the good news of eternal life to one million people this year. Thanks for listening. Now for one of my recent messages. Every person faces the same choice in life. Will I follow Christ and be saved or not? It is the most important decision we will ever make by far, and it will affect us forever. Nobody makes it for us. In every case we do, and to not decide is to decide to be against Christ and to go to hell. We've recently talked about the born-again believer's great escape in the rapture and the unbeliever sentence in the seven-year tribulation, the time such as the world has never seen before, Jesus Christ himself said. Today we're going to consider apologetics, doctrine, and witnessing in salvation. Why and how? From Romans 10, verses 1 to 17. Well, Father God, I pray that you would use me today. Let my words be thine. Father God, send out by the Holy Spirit, drawing to you for salvation, for setting apart you in sanctification, for filling of the Holy Spirit of God for the purpose of ministry. Oh, Lord God, let there be power today online as well as here in person. Oh, Lord God, your arm is not shortened that you cannot save. You are still as powerful today as in the day that you made this earth and everything in it, and the day that you sent Jesus Christ to be able to redeem all of humanity in the universe. Lord God, we pray for that power right now to come upon us with the Holy Spirit, to be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of this earth. Father God, thank you so much for this calling that we have in Christ. Bless I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, evangelists sometimes refer to the Romans Road, and we're going to be taking a look at this chapter in that perspective today, but a little more in-depth, verse by verse, through this very interesting passage. Gain a holistic view, a well-rounded view of Christianity as it should be believed and practiced, followed, and preached as well to others. So we go to Romans 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. And this should be our prayer for every single person in this entire world today. All 8 billion people, even the ones we don't like. <laughs> Some of them are the folks we see on TV every day. <laughs> Until a person knows Jesus, he or she is at the mercy of the devil. He who does not gather with me scatters, Jesus Christ himself said. People can be nice, but they can be nice and wrong. And so this person is going to be obeying a false belief system or even thinking that there is no belief system at all. <laughs> our calling in Christ's great commission is to tell them the truth about how to know our Lord, not only so they will go to heaven for eternity, but also they will love and serve God now. I would shudder to think of what my life would be like without Jesus Christ as this world is unraveling, as it has the last few years. But I'm still at peace. 
I still call. I'm still centered upon the Lord, still preaching the word of God, and probably as strongly, more strongly than ever, because I believe more strongly than ever. I'm closer to God than ever, and I'm trusting God more than ever. Friends, the alternative to trusting Christ is a Christless eternity in hell. Think of how wonderful Christ is. Here he is. He's in perfection. He's in eternity with God the Father. They've all been for all time. And then God's got an assignment. The Father comes to him and says, Jesus, these people are just never going to get it right. We've only got a little group of folks called the Jews, and they can't even come close to getting it right. We've given them all the rules. We've given them all the guidelines. It's never going to happen. This is a job that you're going to have to do if it's going to be done. Okay, We're going to make you an actual human down there. We're going to have you conceived by the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to suffer, bleed, and die. But you know, I'm going to bring you back. Just trust me. And Jesus, of course, says yes. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And so this is the God that you'd be with for all time. The one who sent Christ, Christ himself, and by the Holy Spirit. Or you could be with Satan, who constantly is trying to mislead you. He hates you, even though you're with him, because he hates everyone, having made a very bad choice in rebelling against the God who made him. You'll be burning in flames forever and hell and torture. I think that's a pretty easy choice to be able to make. Now, verse 2 in Romans 10 says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Our society says it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Okay, by that logic, I can believe that I must kill anyone who doesn't convert to Islam. Okay, that's the Muslim's view. Also, I could believe that I could do anything I want and go to heaven. That would be universalism. Or that I must be saved and follow Christ and live in the truth here, now, and forever. That would be true Christianity. See, all those contradict the others, don't they? You can't hold to one and also hold to the other two. So we have to have a specific, truthful belief system. Once we get outside of having any specific, correct faith for all, then how could we really say that anything is wrong? We may be against murder, but that's a moral and spiritual value to which Islam does not hold. We can be against child abuse, but that is a moral and spiritual value to which certain cults do not hold. We should be against lying, but that is a moral and spiritual value to which our society does not hold. Two-thirds of those in our younger, youngest generation Generation Z don't believe that lying is wrong. So we don't hold to that here in this country. There must be one standard that everyone obeys. And by each one is judged. Or else we have confusion, contradiction, and mayhem. And it's no accident that departing from Christ in this country, that's exactly what settled on the United States of America and is also settling upon the whole world. I doubt that there is a single nation in the entire 200 across this globe in which a majority of the people are saved. And that definitely includes America. Verse 3 of Romans 10, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Paul says that Jews and other religious people may be sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. <laughs> Just because we think something doesn't mean that it's right or that it's valid. God gave us the Bible so that anybody could read it and know what is true faith and how to practice it. 
Wouldn't it be cruel if the Lord never told us who he is or what he expects of us? Well, but he has. He's given us the Bible, the best-selling book of all time. It also is the most gifted book of all time. It also is the most popular book online of all time, despite all the pornography and crazy stuff that's out there. He certainly has gotten it all around the world. Wouldn't it also be cruel if God told us that we could live in evil and even contradictory ways? But he hasn't. That's why he has made it clear through one work, the Bible, how to be saved in one God through one Christ and to be able to avoid the judgment that comes upon all those who sin, which would be every person that has ever walked the earth with the exception of Jesus the Christ and of the living God. Now, verse 4 of Romans 10 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, relationship with God through Christ no longer is judged upon performance. The Lord God does not grade upon a curve, but pass-fail. Either you are with Christ or you are not. We can't earn our way to heaven. We can gain rewards in heaven, but we could never do enough to be able to pay our debt outside of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. No one is good enough. And the good news is the opposite. No one's bad enough that they can't be saved. It's really an encouragement, isn't it? No matter what you have been through, no matter what you've done, you can be saved today. You can be redeemed. You can know Jesus Christ. And so this is the purpose by which we preach. Romans 10, verse 5. Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. Now, this is talking about the Mosaic law, which is outlined in the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, as it's called, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. And the guidelines and commandments are mainly in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. For example, this is from Leviticus 5, verses 2, 5, and 6. If a person touches any unclean thing, whether it is the carcass of an unclean beast or the carcass of an unclean livestock, or the carcass of unclean creeping things, and he is unaware of it, he also shall be unclean and guilty. He shall confess that he has sinned in that thing, and he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord for his sin, which he has committed, a female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of goats, as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. However, even those very detailed kinds of pronouncements could not erase sin, they could only cover it. Here's what Hebrews 11:39 to 40 says. And all these, having just named the honorable of faith, Abraham and Isaac and so many others, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Hmm. Now, verses 6 and 7, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. People explain away Jesus often as purely spiritual. He was a messenger, or he was a prophet, to make us feel acceptable. And to give us guidance, they bring him up 
from the dead. Also, others say that Christ is only physical. He's wise. But he's like God. And they pull him down from heaven. Paul says that both of those views are flawed. We see why in verses 8 to 10. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You can't have a silent faith. A silent faith is no faith. You've got to live it in practice. You've also got to speak it and tell people where the credit goes for the kind of person that you have become by the Holy Spirit of God. You see, Christ is both physical and spiritual. The spiritual side is personified in John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The physical side we can see in Hebrews 10, verses 8 to 10. Sacrifice and offering, and burnt offerings, and offering for sin you desired not, neither had pleasure in them which are offered by the law. Then then said he, Jesus, Lo, I come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second by which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The spiritual and the physical come together in relationship. We believe, so we obey. Friends, the spiritual controls the physical. Who made this world? God. What is God? God is a spirit, and those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus Christ himself said, in John 4, 24, when we have problems believing or obeying, we ask God for help. Friends, we're not praying enough. We need to take captive those thoughts that come from the enemy and reject them. We also need to take captive those thoughts that come from the Holy Ghost convicting us and pray on them. We're connected with God through Christ. And when we call on our Lord, he answers. Remember what he said in Christ's last teaching. Before he went to the cross, the Father himself loves you. This is the completely holy, completely sinless God that lives in unapproachable light. And he loves us when we're connected to him through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And God is in us through the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to obey. Friends, though, you've got to realize there is always a spiritual battle raging around you and even many times within you. You see, we are saved and we become of God. That spirit changes in a moment in time. God sees his own son, not us. But we still are in a world of woe and sin, and it pulls us towards itself, doesn't it? We can begin the day feeling great and then We have a bunch of brickbats thrown at us from this evil world. And boy, we feel a little beaten down. But boy, we go to God in prayer. And he's going to bring us back up again. God is in us. He's not just concerned with us. He's actually in us. He is part of us. And he's working us out in all of the difficulties we face for his glory. The obedience to God takes the form of believing, speaking, and following. We read and we study the Bible 
to believe correctly, and that's important. We can't believe that God is six feet tall and he has a, a reach of about uh, six or seven feet like some people like to teach. No, he's a spirit. Spirits don't have in their base persona a physical nature, but they can assume physical natures. But we witness to others by speaking to them of how Jesus is Lord. Now, you may be a little afraid of that. Most Christians are, unfortunately. We've got a spirit of fear you wouldn't believe for a promise that God made to us that Paul described. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind. Friend, you don't have to preach for 30 minutes to have somebody saved when you're in a supermarket. I myself have gone there in Walmart and United and other places, and God says, why don't you go over and ask that person about me? I go over and I strike up a conversation and say, you know, do you go to church? What do you believe about God? Is Who's Christ? Inevitably, they will answer. Sometimes they will say, well, I have some church background. Other times they'll say, no, but you know, I've been kind of thinking about it. Ah, somebody's been watering and I'm about to reap the harvest. I just witness to them. I just ask, what is the nature of your relationship? And I tell them how to have that relationship. And I have even in our business cards, printed on the back side of them, we have how to be saved. Praise God, and people have been led to Jesus Christ just through this. It has those basic points and then of salvation and then being able to go on to discipleship. It's just like that. In fact, if you just have a moment at perhaps your place of employment, the security guard there, just give them one of those cards. Just give them a tract. We'll send them to you. Just Drop us an email or message us over on Facebook, and we'll be happy to send those out to you so that you can give that to that person. You know, it only takes eight-tenths of a penny to put that on the back of every business card. I'll tell you, that's the best eight-tenths of a cent ever spent in the history of the world. It's wonderful that we can be used of God Almighty that way. And then we demonstrate what God is like by following him in public and in private. You may say, oh, it doesn't matter what happens in my private life. Oh, but you see, what's on the inside is going to come out on the outside eventually, isn't it? Hopefully, we're coming closer and closer to God through that sanctification process, being set apart to God, leaving the things of this world. But if we have an inconsistent prayer life, an inconsistent devotional life, an inconsistent relationship with others, it's going to eventually show up as we go out into public, the work, the church, and all of society as well. We need to realize that as Paul said, we are living epistles read of all men. We are living books. We are living web pages. We are living communications about who the Lord God Jehovah is. So we need to be centered upon him at all times. Romans 10 verses 11 to 13. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him, will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God. There's a great guarantee. Not might, not may, but they will. They shall be saved. Every single person who has ever walked the earth may be saved, young and old, big and little, black and white, male and female, Jew and Greek. But we all have something in common, except, of course, for Jesus Christ. 
we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, even though we are made in our Lord's image. But when we come to Christ, then we are made one by looking to Jesus. We're all focused on one God, one standard, one salvation, and one heaven for every believer. But should we focus on people, we will never be in unity. For we are many, we are different, imperfect, and by nature unholy and separated from God. Romans 10, 14-15 How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. This is what the Christian, every last one of us, is to do. Tell people about salvation. Now, friends, I've got four degrees, which may be three degrees too many. I could be Ph.D., M.A., M.A.T.S., B.A., uh, A.S.A.P., and all the rest of that. Friends, you don't have to have that. I've met people without any degrees who are some of the sharpest people and best witnesses I've ever had a, an encounter with in all my life. But you just got to love God and study up about him and his word and fellowship with his people. That's all that's necessary, friend, and it'll come right out. Now, we've got some people around the world God is reaching in closed countries to the gospel through visions. Muslims are having Isa, as they call him. Jesus appeared to them, but they don't know who he is. They need to have a Bible or a missionary explained even when they get a personal visit from Jesus Christ himself. This is why we are part of the body of Christ when we are in the church universal and in the church local like ours is. And we certainly go over all the earth through Facebook and YouTube and other kinds of venues online. But we are to be fitted in together. God doesn't want to save people without using his own people, because we get reward for that. We learn about who Jesus is. We get the heart for other people that the Lord God Jehovah has. Isn't that magnificent? Doesn't that lift us above worrying about what's on TV this night? Uh, how much money we're putting aside this week? How much the gasoline uh, costs us? It's so much more wonderful. We take care of these little things upon the earth, but we've got to realize that we are eternal beings that are called to a much higher calling than just this guilty sod. So how can we right here and now tell people about Jesus Christ? Well, number one, acting as he did. Nobody who says that they know Christ and hate their brother or sister in the Lord is walking with God. Folks are lying and thieving and blaspheming, and they're saying that they're Christians. No, they're not. If you can do that without having a conviction of the Holy Spirit, you are not saved, my friend. You need to get to know God. There are many people who have their name on a membership role in a church who don't know Jesus Christ from Sikkim. And friends, I'm here to wake you up and to say you've got a spirit of slumber, my friend, and you've got to get right with God. Call on him, cry to him while they may be found. We're about to go up in the great escape of all time in the rapture, friends. Don't be left out. Press into God all the more. Do you really want to stay here 
for the seven worst years on earth. Do you even want to stay here for seven years if it stays the same? No, of course not. Nobody's saying once to, my friend. We all want this to change, but the only way it's going to change for the better is for us to go to heaven. It's not going to get better. Things will wax worse and worse to the end. People deceiving and being deceived, Paul prophesied. And it is actually happening. My friends, we also need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to produce good fruit. When we realize we're coming short, we're not patient, we're not kind, we're not long-suffering, we're not having the joy of Jesus, we need to pray for it. We need to ask God to change us. And then we are able to bear much fruit. If you abide in me, if you remain in me, if you seek me, Jesus says in John 15, and I abide in you, I remain in you, that you're going to bear much fruit. But when you get cut off from Jesus, when you aren't connected to that church, when you aren't with other believers, when you aren't praying in unity, when you aren't seeking to come up to that high calling in Jesus Christ, then you're going to wither. And do you know what it says in John 15 about that? Jesus Christ says that those who are cut off from that source, they wither, and then they are cut off and they are gathered and burned. And you know where the burning takes place in the fires of hell. <laughs> I'm going to tell it to you straight because I'm not going to be guilty of your blood. And I'm going to pray that you're not going to be guilty of the blood of Christ. We also need to be testifying of what Jesus has done for us. Friends, this is one that God has called me to. I am definitely called to be an evangelist. I'm definitely called to be a preacher and a pastor. Because he's given me an understanding of his word and a boldness to be able to share it, friends. Friends, you've got to tell people about Christ. As I say, being able to act like Jesus is fantastic. But people, if you don't tell them that it's because you know Jesus Christ, they're going to say, oh, you're, you're just a good person. You're, you're a strong person. Uh, you're just so kind. And I'll tell them, no, I'm not. But I know the one who is. I know the one who is kind enough to give his life for me. I know the one who was strong enough to resist the devil when he was offered all of the kingdoms in a moment in time. I know the one who was intelligent enough to lay the foundations of the sea. I know the one who is all these things and so much more. And then explaining the components of salvation. Friend, with our little card, a little paragraph, you can have it done. I'm also going to lead you in this at the end. Share the video with somebody online. Ask somebody to come over and listen to this. Go over to our website, eternitynow.com, and click Know Christ. We've also got links to some of our 100-plus videos online, every single one of which preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Bible. Verses 16 to 17 of Romans 10. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Praise God. Now, the sense of this in the original language, which is Koine Greek, is that we hear the gospel, we believe what we hear, and we act upon it. It also encourages us to tell people the good news, especially using scripture. Hebrews 4.12 says, It is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
Jesus says in John 6, 63, it is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. My friends, I can feel tired when I begin a service. I did a bit today. But I can tell you I feel more energy than I have all day right now. Even though I'm working and a preaching and doing a little swaying on a 100-degree day in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. You know why that is? Because the words that I'm preaching to you are spirit and they are life. That scripture that I'm quoting, that's why every message I give you is centered upon the word of God. I'm not the power and God is the power. He uses me, but I'll tell you that word that is set forever in those 66 books of the Bible, that is power. And that will not return void, but it will prosper and it will accomplish what God has purposed for it, as he says in Isaiah 55. Hmm. We simply have to tell people how to be saved. The converting is not up to us. We are not a failure if someone says no, or I'll think about that, or I'll get back to you. But I'll tell you, once every few, somebody's going to say, you know what? I had a feeling I needed to accept Christ. I had a feeling I needed to pursue this, to, to find out what's going on. This world is getting so crazy. And you see, this is what we're living for. We're just supposed to be witnesses. We point people to God. We are not God, but we are of his family. And we point people to the Father. We point them to the Son. We point them to the Holy Ghost. Ah, those blessed three in one. The bottom line is, the law of Moses and most other religious systems tell people what to do. But Christianity has Jesus coming into us in relationship to change us and the world. And hasn't he done a wonderful job of changing this world? 2,000 years ago, there were very few advancements in science. There weren't any real doctors like we would find today. Uh, there was no mass media. The best you could get is to post some kind of parchment notice over at the Colosseum and hope people saw it. Nothing like that. People were not encouraged to become learned. People were not encouraged to be kind, to be forgiving, uh, to encourage others in their giftings. It was always, uh, let me see what's going to benefit me. And if I can kill thee, that shall it be. <laughs> but now we have gotten to this genteel, uh, embracing, compassionate society. And now, unfortunately, because time is short, the devil is ginning up. People are falling away from God and we're becoming the barbarians in our hearts that we have been in the past. It's been always there, but it's been hidden because of the impact of Christ on this earth and Christians who have truly followed him and done his will through the ages. Wonderful people like John Wesley, like C.H. Mason, uh, like Billy Graham. These people have spoken that good word of God to all the nations, all the ethnicities, all the races, all across the world and all the ages. And they have seen this earth change. But I'll tell you what, this change back to the horrible barbarism in society of the past has been prophesied by the Lord God Jehovah through the Revelation, through Daniel, and through other books. And this is what we're studying on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock Mountain. So we have seven takeaways today. Number one, God wants every person saved, and all can be saved too. God wants every person saved, and all can be saved too. Fred, I believe that if Judas had repented, he would have been accepted by the Lord Jesus Christ. But what did he do? He gave up. 
He said, God is not able, and he killed himself. And so, he will be in hell forever. Second Peter 3, 9, God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we're trying to snatch people out of the fire, like Jude talks about. Snatch them out of the fire, making a difference. Number two, there is one spiritual reality, not multiple. There is one spiritual reality and not multiple. World religions conflict greatly and cannot create reality. Reality exists whether their doctrines are correct or not. This is the reason why I stick close to the Bible. I know that it is correct. It is inspired. It is without error as preserved by our Lord God, Jehovah, and His Holy Spirit by faithful people all through the ages. I don't get off into Islam and Buddhism and the rest. I know what their tenets are. I've taught it even in universities and ordination schools. But I'll tell you, I can't find any truth there that I can't find that is in Christianity. Everything else in those is just falsity, my friends. It's just luck, so to speak, or trying to feel for the truth if they get anything right. Like Confucius said, every journey begins with a single step. It does. And it's going to begin with you accepting Jesus Christ in just a moment, if you haven't already. Number three, if there's not one specific true faith, then no moral or spiritual code is possible. If there's not one specific true faith, then no moral or spiritual code is possible. Should the test of truth simply be that one is sincere in his or her beliefs, that acts like child abuse, murder, and theft could not be considered wrong. This is why our society is falling apart. We don't have a consensus there's a God. We don't even have a consensus on the Constitution anymore. And so what's happening? Well, people are doing whatever's right in their own eyes, and government refuses to stop them. We can't even police our borders to make sure only Americans are in America. And we let in the other folks, as we know about them and will prove. This is essentially self-destruction being acted out a day at a time. We need to have one God, one salvation, one faith, one Lord over all. That's what it's all about, my friends. Number four, God gave us the Bible so we would have a detailed, understandable way to know him and his will. God gave us the Bible so we would have a detailed, understandable way to know him and his will. It would have been cruel to make us just grasp about and try to cast around to see what truth is. This Bible, beyond the shadow of a doubt, is the inspired, inerrant word of God preserved forever. It has corrected secular historians of the first rank. It has corrected the liberal theologians who say it. this didn't mean what it said. This word shall stand forever and shall be fulfilled. Praise God, Jehovah. He's made the way clear to us. Number five, faith in Christ neither is only spiritual or only physical. It is relational, which crosses both dimensions. Some try to pull Jesus Christ down from his high and holy place and say he was only human. And others attempt to pull him up from humanity and insist he was just spiritual. It doesn't make a difference in what we do today, all the things that he taught us. Both of those are poppycock. I'll tell you, he was fully God. 
He was fully man, and he will come into you fully through the Holy Spirit if you will accept him. He will change you. You will not be like you were before. You will be far more like God has created you to be, the dynamic and wonderful and powerful individual, if you will only accept him and receive his spirit. Number six, believing in God, speaking of Christ, and following him in word and deed are the main ways we can be obedient to the Lord. Number six, believing in God. Speaking of Christ and following him in word and deed are the main ways we can be obedient to the Lord. Christianity is a living, breathing, thinking, doing faith. If it is practiced right, it changes our whole life and it changes the core of our being. It is a message to everybody we know. If only we will open our mouths and we will tell people about who has changed us, where that difference comes in our life. What has been our salvation? And that is God in Christ. Number seven, the last one. This chapter of Paul's affirms Jesus' great commission of Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. We say it in every service. It is our mission statement for eternity now, literally. Romans 10, 14, Paul says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear? without a preacher. Friends, I'm seeing bunches of them today who have never heard about Jesus. And they might have heard the name, but they don't know the Spirit. They don't know anything about it. Do you realize that more than half of the youth under 18 in this country have been raised with no faith background whatsoever? I'm not just talking about evangelical Christian. I'm even talking about Muslim. I'm talking about Buddhists as well as Christianity. That is a big reason why we are falling apart. And if the Lord should carry 20 years, I fear to see what this world is going to be like, my friends. Oh my goodness, if you forsake anything of God and you believe that this world is all there is, then you are a human most desperate. But friends, we can change that today. Whether you're online or you're in person, we can change that today. Just as I said before, and as I said in the first point of our takeaways, Everyone can be saved. Everyone. Even Judas could have been saved. Lord knew he wouldn't be, but he could have been. You can be saved today. You can be saved today. Whether you're male, you're female, you're black, you're white, you're yellow, you're brown, you're whatever color, friends. If you're human, you can be saved today. I don't want to see you go to hell. I don't want to see you in a Christless eternity. I don't want to hear your shouts and your cries of torment. When you are in hell, a thousand years, a million years, a trillion years. I'm being deadly serious right now because that's exactly it. We think that a year or two or 10 or 50 is a long time. Friends, that's like a moment. That's like a, a drop in the bucket, a, a passing millisecond when compared with eternity because eternity never ends. This is a door that's locked from the outside. There is no escape. Jesus Christ has the keys to the death, hell, and the grave. And if you have refused, him, the gentle Jesus, who came and submitted himself, allowed himself to be killed, laid down his life for you that you might live, that you might be forgiven, that you might be able to be with God. There's no hope for you. It's it. And it's not like you're just annihilated. No, you are going to be in conscious torment forever. I was going back and forth with someone about this the other day. Friends, they, they say that, you know, 
God is love and, and love would never have a hell. No love does have a hell. Do you know why that is? Because Hitler, not having accepted Jesus, unrepentantly killed millions upon millions of people in the worst ways ever torturous and the rest. He would have a child put a shovel at their father's throat while the father's on the ground and say, shove it into his throat. Child refused. This is an actual story. And then the guard shot them both. A much better end for them than if that boy had obeyed. Do you think that that person is supposed to be in heaven? Hitler, with that? Okay. There's got to be a hell, right? What's the standard? The one that's been put out for over 2,000 years. Goes all the way back, actually, to the beginning. We think probably the first book of the Bible, Job, was written 3,600 years ago. And it's still going today. That's the one by which we are going to be judged. And so we need to submit ourselves to God. Love protects people. Love intercedes. Love separates the, the wheat from the chaff, separates the goats from the sheep. Love makes a difference. God has extended his hand of grace for thousands of years. It's been made plain that there's no reason why anybody would not be able to access the gospel of Christ. And even this world, if a missionary never makes it, if the internet never makes it to that person, this world is a witness that there is a creator, that there is an intelligence, that there is a compassion on us, whereby we are not consumed by the beasts of the earth, the, the seas or the mountains. And that's the Lord God Jehovah in his provenient grace to people through the Holy Spirit. But if you step on God, if you say, I don't want your grace, I'm going to do it my way, you will find it in hell because that's actually the devil's way. There are four essentials to salvation that you can claim today. The first one is to repent of sin, to say you're sorry for what you've done and what you failed to do that you should. Every single one of us, including me, has had to repent, and we still repent afterwards because we're in that relationship with God. He's close to us. He's in us. He's with us. And so it's like husband and wife. In fact, Jesus is the bride. We are the bride as the church of Christ. It's our husband. And that unity is after the man and wife in marriage. We also need to confess faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only one who lived a sinless life, died and was risen again, and by whom we could have our sins forgiven. We believe Jesus Christ rose in body as well as spirit, as we've just read in Romans 10, 8 to 10. His body and spirit have to be resurrected for our body and our spirit to be resurrected. And if you say, well, I'll just pass the resurrection and go into nothingness. No, your body and your spirit will be resurrected. But to damnation is what's going to happen. If you're not alive for the sheep and the goats, then you're going to see God before the great white throne. And it's going to be a fearsome time because you have no covering. Of Jesus Christ. Also, follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Friend, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. That's one of those little sayings that actually is true. You can't have a Savior relationship and not a Lordship. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say, Jesus says. If you love me, keep my commandments. You're going to do it imperfectly. I do it myself imperfectly every day. But I go to God and he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And so it will be with you. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you 
Well, say it after me. Believe in what I'm saying. Then the Lord God, Jehovah, will come into your heart through the Holy Spirit. And you just need to keep seeking the Lord God, Jehovah, and Christ, and you'll find him. And eventually that journey will lead you right into heaven. Father God, I repent of my sins. Please forgive me. I confess faith in Jesus Christ. He died that I may live. I believe he rose in body and spirit the third day in the tomb. And I will follow him as Lord and Savior, repenting should I fall. Come into my heart, Lord God, and save me. In Jesus' name, amen. So be it and it is. That's what I mean means in Hebrew. And while you are still the same person physically that you were a moment ago, you are then a different person spiritually. That first step has been taken in that journey into Jesus. You may be feeling the warmth of the Holy Spirit, the peace of the Lord God, Jehovah, in your life for the first time. Isn't that wonderful? And so also, I want to give you the steps of discipleship if you have accepted the Lord at this point. What do you do now? Well, get baptized in water. We immerse on that right side of the cross that you have come to him. That's the way that it's supposed to be done according to the Bible. Jesus and Christ, Christ himself submitted to baptism, even though he was the one man who didn't have to be baptized because it was so important for us to make a public profession of him. Then we are going to read the Bible and learn what it has to say. We can learn about life. We can live a better life reading the Bible. And we, of course, will be able to be prepared for reward in heaven that way too and be a greater witness here down below. We pray to receive those promises of God. When we are not getting what the Bible says we should as believers, we pray for it. Oh, Lord God, Jehovah, let me not have a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of sound mind. In Jesus' name, amen. And so it is. Come to church. Go online. Watch us, watch what you're led to do, and be enthusiastic. Try to get involved and, and pray for others. Be involved in the church, universal and the church local. You can't do this just by yourself. you got to do it with other people. We're the body of Christ. We're not just the arm of Christ. We're not just the mouth of Christ. We're not just the foot of Christ. We are the body of Christ. All of these parts fitted together, as the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 15 to 29. And you see, when we don't have that one hand, when we don't have that one foot, when the mouth is gone, it's going to be pretty hard to be a great witness, isn't it? Yep. Then we need to fellowship with other believers. This is one of the greatest things about being a pastor, is to get to know people. I started life as a journalist, radio journalist. I love to interview people. I love to do personality profiles. I'm blessed to be able to do some in international magazines, world radio, and all the rest. And I love to find out what makes people tick. We need to do that in the body of Christ. We're not to be a bunch of lone rangers just catering to our own conveniences. We need to get to know people. You know what happens a lot of time? I'm going to read your mind. You have an appointment with somebody, and you're real excited about it. And then that day, you just feel real tired, and you want to cancel it. You know who that generally is? That's generally the devil. 
because he wants to keep you alone. He wants to put you over here all by yourself. That way he can get to you a lot easier and depress you, get you thinking that there's no hope for you. When all you got to do is follow through on that date and you're going to be able to have fellowship. Isn't that wonderful? Just press on through that tiredness. Ask God for a little more energy to be able, able to make it happen. If you want to pray with me, give me a call or text, 806-463-8793. I'm not afraid to put it out there. I trust you with it, 806-463-8793, US of A. You can email me, khuckins, K-H-U-C-K-I-N-S, at eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W-C-O-L, khuckins at eternitynow.com. Go on our website, too, and you'll be able to access them that way as well. And then pursue personal relationship with God. Why do we do that? Because God knows you individually. He knows you as Jimmy, as Joe, as Alida, as Curtis, as uh, Athonsia, and all the other names that are out there. He knows you because he made your soul individually before he placed it into the womb. Hey, the Lord has known us even from the beginning. In Jeremiah 1.5, he says, I knew you in the womb. I called you as a prophet to the nations. Get to know God like he knows you, like he knows that little infant, like he knows your brother, like he knows your sister, like he knows your friend, like he knows your enemy. We at Eternity Now appreciate your listening to this broadcast. For more, including links to all our programs and social media, go to eternitynow.com. E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. We have over a hundred videos on YouTube, and you can watch our services live there as well as Facebook, Twitter, and more. On our website, you also can email me, Pastor Kyle Huckins, and I'll respond personally. I welcome your prayer requests, questions, and comments. Again, that's EternityNow.com. May God bless you and keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, and give you peace. I'm gonna shout, hallelujah, shout.